Alright, what's up guys? Nate and Philip back again with the Pokey Talk Podcast number 29. What's happening? Hey, pretty stoked. We hit a big milestone. Yeah. Didn't think, uh, didn't think it would it pretty much coincide in basically a year, honestly. Um, so yeah, at this point, right at a little it. over, yeah, pretty much a little over a year. Because the first two episodes, we didn't really have a lot of listens just because we were just kind of like trying to get the word out. So yeah, we basically had a thousand listens in the last year. Heck yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, moving on up. Um, to the east side, uh, but uh, no, that's I'm pretty excited for that. Um, you know, thank you everybody who still continues to listen to us. We appreciate it. It lets us know that we aren't wasting our time and just talking to each other and recording our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like even if there is hardly anybody, like literally well, no yeah. one, that's like that's kind of what we set out to do. You know, just to keep a way to keep us engaged and give us a mm-hmm. reason to keep up with Pokemon every week. So it benefits us just by doing it, even if no one cares. It does. But there's been some people who have enjoyed it and reached out. So, Yeah, I will say this that definitely has helped me maintain interest in the hobby because there's some times where there's like some slow times <clears throat> in the hobby, like during the summer especially, and I don't exactly have like my full focus isn't on the hobby i mean it's kind of like ancillary uh but this kind of helps recenter me into that and keeps my attention within the hobby um so and it, it still does even during this like very slow point of the year that we're we're in right now um so it still keeps me going for sure yeah i'm definitely in a drought right now like just super burned out I've been wanting to make more videos this year and like getting a habit, but then I was like, well, I'll start in February. Well, I'll start in March. And now I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to see how it goes and just, you know, take my time with it. Just get the confidence. I guess you could call it back or the, you know, inspiration is really what it would be just to kind of get it yeah. back. And just when it comes to me, it'll come to me. But today I kind of well, felt a little itch, but. Yeah, like, I bought a big card, obviously, the last time it went up to Yeti, which I guess was technically mid-February. So that ended up being, like, a $300 card with a few smaller illustration rares I bought, nothing really notable, just some ones that I liked. And that was, like, my last big purchase. And I kind of went ham, though, between December and, like, late like January. So um, I guess you can say this is kind of me just taking a breather as well. Uh, or you could argue it's because my main obsession, like we kind of discussed in our one of our earlier episodes, uh, my how obsessive we can be with certain hobbies, and for right now, that is 100% reading comics. But just because I might talk about that doesn't mean I haven't forgot about Pokemon. I keep it in my attention mostly all, at all times. <laughs> yeah, and I talk so, about this too. It's like, you know, I did all that work with Lorcana, which is like, the yeah. hardest I've went in in a long while, like those two weeks where I was trying mm-hmm. to flip those tens and the nines. Like yeah. I talked about how crazy that was and how much work I had to do for that. So I think that's what led me to be burned out because mm-hmm. I also got, you know, the last piece of that. I think I told this to that captain hook with a damaged case. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually came in today cause I got the reholder Woo! service. 
So I got me a nice clean case with a PSA 9 Captain Hook. Awesome. So that's kind of what sparked it back today. And then I realized, like, man, I just got burned out. Like when I was just doing all that work and just going hard yeah. for those two weeks. But got the Captain Hook, reholdered, got it back, and uh, took about a month. That service is a little longer than the grading service just because it's, you know, not grading. It's just reholdering. Mm-hmm. But real happy with it. Case is looking nice. My set is back together again. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I still have that stack of cards that I've talked about back from PSA that I want to sell. I, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like reminiscing about those two weeks before Christmas. Once again, it's like, do I really want to grind it out and sell these cards and buy another big card? Like, yeah, that's the goal. But, you know, I mentioned I'm probably just going to keep a big stack for Collecticon to try to sell there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that along with, your stack of cards you're selling is what spawned this episode. Um, we are going to talk oh, about yeah. how to sell, where to sell, when to sell. How to, <laughs> how to deal with shit buyers. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we're going to just... I'm going to uh, use it as an opportunity to tell some stories about my mm-hmm. experiences. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, you're definitely feeling some of those now. But, it was, uh, yeah. Honestly, I won't go too much detail. Just kind of do a brief, like brief general sentence. I have never had so many sketchy, sus buyers in such a short time, short time frame, ever since I I've, I've been doing this. Like yeah. I was messaging you. I was like, is 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 this for real? Like, but that that's all I'll say. That's all I'll, I'll say about it. We'll go into more detail here here in a bit. Um, and I want to say, yeah, the update for me, um, with my part in the hobby is obviously my main focus, especially with a lot of money has been towards comics, white knight represent, you know, you, you know, this story, if you know this story, but, um, there, my, I also got kind of burnt out a little bit, but for so, something a little bit different, it was essentially, I was so obsessive over the Mario Pikachu that it was intense, and we, you know, we've kind of went over this before. And you mentioned it's like I was kind of, I think, starting to annoy you a little bit with like the constant price updates. Um, for the but, yeah, for those wondering, every day. So I did the math. <laughs> I could do this. I could do this, and a list of things, and I could potentially pull trigger next it's week. Like Char- ne- it's like Charlie. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Then the very next day. All right, I was fudging some numbers. Like saying the same thing, just wording it different. I'm like, it's All like, right. it's like that meme from Charlie from "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," where he's got like a sig in his hand and he has his chalkboard with all these drawstrings. Like it looks like it's like a sh- cracked out conspiracy theorist, and that's probably how I looked running the numbers constantly. And I think that's kind of what did it. And then I finally went to Yeti. I got the card. I got a solid card that I won for the collection with the 2016 World Championship card, and I've also I've been able to focus, focus extremely well on my goals, which is the grails, um, either it be with Lorcana or Mario slash Luigi or in my binder sets. And seeing the numbers that are, are is happening with Lorcana and seeing like we're, you know, you know, just kind of 
um, <laughs> fantasizing of where those numbers could reach has made me extremely patient in terms of my goals within the hobby. So patient, the fact that I'm okay not spending a dime. Um, however, I say that then I will also say I haven't gone to my to the local uh, card store that we we have here in town, and they don't have they usually have just ultra modern. Um, combination of japanese and, and english and usually it's a great way to get great deals on like illustration rares character rares and like you know there'll be like character rares for like three four bucks and i'm like oh i'll just buy 20 30 bucks i'll get like 15 cards and and it's they're great art and i, I like i love this i'm participating in the hobby not going bankrupt and i'm getting cards that will absolutely also increase in value but i also have cards that i like so it's great because it's like oh i'm not just pissing away in the wind i'm actually you know buying stuff that i think will do well but also cards that i can appreciate for the time being even if they don't and so it's kind of a, a win-win um it's one of those things where there's some cards i might kind of like ah, do, I, do i need that character rare no i'm not the biggest fan but it's only three bucks and that's probably a future ten dollar card and i'm having fun so i'm just gonna go ahead and, and buy it you know which is a great way to participate in the hobby not worrying about FOMO or hype, just buy it at the all-time low and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so, th so that's pretty much what I'm doing, pretty much now until basically um, Pokemon 151. Like that's probably the next product I'll be buying. So we're talking yeah, what, four I'm months away. I'm excited to see that. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd have to be something good for me to buy it. Um, my minimalism really keeps myself in check with that. Like, yeah, the character rares are nice to buy, but unless like I go for them all and have like one of each, which there's already too many now, it's like, mm -hmm. I'm an extreme minimalist and an extreme completionist. So it's like, I either want it all or nothing. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, see you. So yeah, I, I kind of avoided that, but I still have that stack of cards to sell. You know, I've said that I was going to wait to get those cards back to decide what I want in my collection. Well, I still haven't quite decided, but pretty much everything, like I said, that's a set card is on the chopping block. Um, I've even thought about, like, seeing exactly how small I could get my collection just for fun of it. Like, even if I get it down to, like, five graded cards... And just have like five insane PSA 10 cards. Like I could be happy potentially with that. I just have to figure out what cards I like the most. Like obviously First Dead Zard would be one of them. So it's like do I consolidate all that money into upgrading my Charizard. Or buying a new Charizard. Because I'd probably want to keep the one I have now. Because it's you know been with me the longest. But I just need to figure all that out, and I need to sell the stack of cards. So probably won't be making much content or anything until I knock that out. And that potentially won't be done unless um, people hit me up on Instagram um, until CollectCon. So, so wait, you're, you're, you're just talking about graded cards, correct? Not your binder sets, just graded cards. Yeah, I still have binders, and I yeah. did... Okay. Buy the last hollows. So my binder sets are 100% complete all the way through the Neo Destiny. <laughs> so I went ahead and bought the last hollows I need 
with some of that money. And yeah. So yeah, my binder collection is still there. The E series hollows are the only cards I'm missing for Watsy, but I've never committed to collecting them. Um, I have none of them, <laughs> you know, going back to what I said, all or nothing. I have nothing of the E series hollows. So that's a potential just throwing the money in other investments as a potential or buying slash consolidating big cards is another potential. Mm-hmm. And I probably won't know the answer to that until summertime, what I really want to do. But I'll let you yeah. guys know. I will be selling the cards, though. So if you – there's, I've made a post on my Instagram. If you see any on there, let me know. I'm, I probably should post those every couple days but i've just gotten real lazy with it i've just been totally checked out and burned out but yeah i kind of feel you not so much burnt out but to to an extent but just not really feeling the stress of selling my cards because if they aren't low value um they're ones that i kind of like so i'm in no rush to sell especially considering i'm going to be getting hit with the fees and I'm going to be getting hit with like the tax aspect of it, and we'll go more into it later. Uh, but me selling cards to sketch people isn't worth being losing out on the card, even if it's just a thirty-dollar card. I'm not going to let, let them win, <laughs> and I have no stress to sell, no desire. I've already hit the profit that I wanted. This is just cards. I'm just trying to basically sell to more or less go towards a grail card. That's pretty much. So it's just like I'm very, very patient with this. And at this point, kind of seeing where the Mario Pikachu's at, it's like I, I no longer feel stressed with it. I kind of have an idea of what it'll probably be by the fall. So it's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to be patient. Patience yeah. is, is, is a big thing in this hobby. If you can have patience, like true patience, you can do very, very well in terms of your cost basis on stuff, in terms of your overall lack of impulse buys over cards that you are falling into FOMO, um, or not even necessarily FOMO, but just kind of like a high mind mentality to an extent, depending on who you're following in social media with certain cards that folks are going after. So it's patience gives you a lot of power. It really does, especially in a hobby like this. Yep. So, yeah, that's what I've been feeling too, like no rush to do anything. It's just kind of see where it goes and slowly sell these and worst case scenario, finish it at Collecticon and should mm-hmm. respark my interest there because um, that's always fun. Um, there was a Mario Pikachu PSA 10 that sold um, by Nick, old school Pokemon, uh, last week. It is at 4450 bucks. So... When I see that number, I'm like, well, shoot, I could just sell my Did it nine. sell? Yeah, it's a winter oh, auction. Okay. Yeah. So that is pretty much right at market, so 4500 Yeah. So that's got me thinking, well, shoot, I might just sell some of these cards and sell the 9 and get the 10, but I usually don't collect 10s. But if I got my collection on a diet, like that might be the world that I look at. But... Well, I say that makes the current going rate for about anywhere from like two thousand to twenty three hundred for the uh, PSA nine Mario Pikachu about right. So now we're at the right point because 
the the tens and nines weren't equating with what the prices were going for, and now it looks like the market has caught up. So, yeah, it has good. adjusted least, for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah, because we were chatting about that. I was like, this value isn't matching what these tens are going for. So, but yeah. Yep, and I already forgot <laughs> what I bought my nine at, but. Uh, let me see if I, I think can it's like check 2200. I think it's like 2200 or or 2 grand or something. But yeah, another reason for the burnout though is the new cycle. There really hasn't been much. So we're yeah. going to hop into go, go the go news. Do. Yeah, there there isn't much to talk about. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh yeah, on Pokey Beach though, there's I was just scanning, you know, they have an article on different wording for switching Pokemon. So they're, <laughs> you know, they're, they, that's they, exciting. They're <laughs> they are Pokemon judge receives lifetime ban for harassment. So that, yeah. that's the thing. That's bad guy. Probably deserved it. Yeah. No, he did. I actually re- read the article. Oh, and yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't exactly good for him. It was like. I won't go into it, but like, as if you could really read it, but basically the guy was like, asking questions because he was interested and then he started being condescending and insulting and then he started to basically more or less follow them to a restaurant and continue to be insulting slash um like very insulting and very sexist with a lot of stuff yeah it wasn't like there wasn't any like oh like maybe it was a miscommunication no it it was yeah (laughs) straight up potential crime to be done I yeah. mean, yeah, like they're like the guy has issues. Like he should have known there was going to be consequences, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, the biggest, uh, I guess, the top two news articles we have. Um, they have one real quick. This isn't one of the two, but they had a list of the hobby store freebies of top loaders, postcards, and more for Scarlet and Violet. So Pokemon's trying to load up some hobby stores to give out like merch for the Pokemon drop when that goes into Scarlet and Violet. So that's kind of cool. They're trying to, you know, enhance the experience for in person. But, uh, yeah, aside from that, um, galaxy holofoil and galaxy borders are returning to Scarlet and Violet promos. This is exciting. They look yeah. really awesome too. Yeah, this is a little bit of, like, these cards, like, in English. Well, actually, it's not English because I just realized the Arcanine doesn't have an E. <laughs> it's it's something else. So it's, I think that's uh, maybe Italian or French. I don't know. But anyways, it looks really, really great. Um, it looks like the old school cards from the EX era. And I think this kind of making me... The, quality control we'll see but i mean it's the sort of thing where you would potentially collect english because the way it looks um you know it looks very close to the japanese equivalent and have you noticed this mimikyu ex when you go down how unique this promo is which one mimikyu yeah ex yeah it's pretty cool yeah that's uh that one's very neat. Um, it's like, like the borders disappear and are dissolved. Uh, yeah, and it's got like this 
I don't know how to, what this even is. It's some sort of I don't even know what's coming up. It's bleeding off the the card, um, but it's very cool looking. It's very very neat. And this is something to this is this is the stuff that they have to do for the English market because it was lagging so far behind from the Japanese quality. And this is this is getting good. I'll say that this this looks great. Yeah, it's the first time we've seen the Galaxy Hollow Borders since the e like you know the OG EX era. So Gen three and four. So that's pretty pretty crazy in 2003 with ex ruby and sapphire and it only lasted until 2007 power keepers and then you know that's pretty much it um in the call legends set they had like the shining cards there was legends that were shiny and they had a hollow border pattern but that's literally it so yeah pretty pretty cool the you know i wonder if the galaxy is on the english because, yeah, it shows the other language there. But then at the bottom, it says, So far, all the Scarlet and Violet promos have been printed on the set's hollow paper. So it's like a hollow border, but it's just, you know, like no ink on it. It's just blank. So that means the hollow paper itself is going to be Galaxy. So it's, I don't know, it's going to be cool to see what they do, but... Either way, there are versions out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it would be pretty I think cool. it's something you'll see more of. But yeah. Yep. Just just showing us that, you know, anything's possible. People, people thought there was like these weird theories that Watsy owns the rights of the hollow galaxy paper or something weird like that. There's been all, all these kinds of twists and turns. Um, but Wizards of the Coast actually brought it back recently with Magic and some of the basic lands in one of their sets. I think it was the end of last year. And people were kind of, oh my god, what does this mean? They're bringing back the Galaxy Hollow. And then here's Pokemon doing the same thing. So, yeah. Which, yeah. if they do own the rights to like that specific Galaxy pattern, I mean, Pokemon probably just made their own. Um you know, change the pattern, <laughs> but it ever so slightly. Yeah, it doesn't look like as dense as the Watsy Galaxy on these pictures yeah. that they show. But who knows? Maybe it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Okay. I said the only other news item that we have is. Uh... Basically, by the time you guys, well, a few days after this thing goes, this episode goes live, Scarlet and Violet will have released for English, or for the English market. Yeah. And there's some cool cards. Yeah, they they are. But But nothing crazy. Yeah, they have a complete guide on Poke Beach, kind of talking about all the cards, and you can see the full set list there. Yeah, yeah. There, there is some really cool stuff, but yep, just a just another set. <laughs> yeah, the the big one is the special illustration rare or whatever that of uh, Miriam. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that card. The moment I saw that card, how unique. So I have a really great thing towards like geometric shapes and like my photography and very straight shots. Um, if you can't tell. Um, 
Wes Anderson's my one of my favorite directors because of that <laughs> that uh, straight shot with like the symmetry, and this has a lot of that with the different almost like comic panels in the background sort of thing. Um, great art looking card, but and you know the rarity plays a part in it, but. They're also aware of the waifu collectors, which are, I have my own opinion on those folks. Um, something we will talk to in about in a later episode. But, yeah. It's, there's this, there's nothing like, and this set, though, that really speaks to me personally. Yeah, it's cool. It'll be fun to open. Um, but, yeah, I've. I don't buy modern and open packs, so I mean it's not really. I mean, there's some cool art in here though with some of the illustration raiders. There's some cool Tauros, Galarian, not Galarian Tauros, um, Pan Pandine. Yeah. What would happen is I would open it and like, oh, this card's really cool, and find out it's worth twenty bucks, probably sell it, and then I have the stack of other cards that are not going to be worth anything for 50 years and I'm just going to get rid of them somehow because I don't like it. That's, yeah, that's been my thing too is with opening, you have the bulk. Yeah. You have like the bulk that builds up and it's now just for a thousand cards, you, or you get 15 bucks, you know, and like just just do the math on how many packs you, you have to open just, just to hit that, right? Yeah. I mean... It's like, almost ooh, a burden bucks. for me. I know it sounds stupid, but it almost burdens me to have the cards. Like, it burdens me to open the pack. Because then I'm like, I'm consuming this, and now I have worthless paper, and now I have to get rid of it. And, <laughs> you know, I just hate opening, and just having all that plastic kind of bums me out. But, I don't know. Then you can, you know, look at the flight map of all the private jets leaving the Super Bowl and, you know, realize me caring about that's kind of stupid as well. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, it's Triple Beat. Yeah, it's Triple Beat's the cool set. That's going to be the cool set. Uh, that had the Paldean Toros. I, I was mistaken. Oh, okay. Uh, but that, okay. Just want to just wanted to give a shout out about that Magic Carp with our boy Shinji Kanda. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't think I said, but, but I bought the that Mario Pikachu for eighteen fifty, is what. Yeah, that's and you bought it before the end of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you didn't have to pay the sales tax. Now, now you gotta pay sales tax. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw when I was looking up, I got that Captain Hook for what was it, seven fifty? And now they're probably like around twelve hundred. I think most of the nines are around like ten, a thousand to twelve hundred at this point. Most, not I all. I think he, yeah. like, that's the one, obviously, to just talked about it with the damaged case. I bought it, and then he gave me, like, oh, okay, that's what it was. So I bought it for 850 and he gave me, like, 100 and something back. So it was almost, like, 700 is what I ended up paying for it because he gave me the money to like grade it again if I wanted to try because he thought it was a good condition card and so ultimately I decided to just reholder it instead of regrade it which was a lot cheaper so just got it back today it's the nine looks great P 
pocketed another hundred bucks there. It was really cool of the guy to do that. Um, so yeah, really like 700 is what I got that for. But I also did all those trades and stuff like before they the cards went up again because that's something we didn't mention. Like over the past three or four weeks, we've been watching these. They're still slowly ticking up. Slowly, but they've been steady since the initial uh, release announcement or like the lease date announcement. So I expect they'll be steady. They, there might be an uptick this weekend after they kind of show the product line and the price, and that's kind of starting to make take its rounds. Um, I'm starting to see on smaller FB groups starting to be posted. So well, here we are about five months out exactly from the release date and the hype is already starting to build. Let them be built. And then and they're showing we'll a lot be- more on their socials too. Like they had a video, yeah. a really nice video today, basically showing the, the contents. And oh, the, yeah, too. yeah. And of like the unboxing, like it was all animated, showed you exactly mm-hmm. how it was packaged in the, in the box and stuff like that. Yeah, the uh, so it's pretty exciting, but still not much too much to say with that just yet, and we'll see what happens in the next coming months. And then, yeah, there's really not too much else than with the news. Um, what was the last thing? There really wasn't anything, was there? No, I don't think so. Yeah. That was pretty much yeah. it. Boring. We rambled news as cycle. much as we can ramble. We made thirty yeah. minutes out of it. Hey. There we go. Fuck. You guys get qual- a quality content from us all the time. Just, you know. <laughs> to hear us repeat us, repeat ourselves every week. <laughs> it's like those Family Guy episodes where they just su- try to see how much they could get away with basically dead airtime with like some of their gags. You, you, you know what I mean? Like they would do two minutes over something, something completely stupid, and it's just like really. So they, they wasted 10% on one gag that literally was just like probably cost them like 20 bucks to make because it's just like the same scene on repeat. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing for you guys. <laughs> but with that, I guess let's hop into the main topic and talk about some of these sales. So, yeah, when, how, why to sell your cards, we'll, we'll cover them all. So, yeah. I guess, and obviously the where. I guess we could just cover the where first. Talk about where okay. we sell, sell where we buy. Um, then we can get into like the why or the timing, and then maybe we can do some of our stories, so, pros and cons. Yeah. So where I buy my cards depends on what I'm going for. Um. So if I'm going for binder sets, I'm pretty much going to TCG Player. They that's the best place, and I don't think there's really any question about completing binder sets. They have you can go through verified sellers, you can go through the the TCG Direct, which is like verified sellers, and they a lot of times like they'll have it, they'll be able to ship it off like in pretty much one unit essentially. So it helps conserve on shipping. Um, and I've done that a lot of times. That's how I complete a lot of my sets. And it's just a really fun thing to do, kind of going crazy, going searching what you need. Like, okay, uh, go through the buyers. Okay, this guy, this guy's legit shop has 50,000 plus sales. Okay, get here. Um, near mint or lightly played. Okay, since it's a shop with that many sales, it's probably legit. Go ahead and get it. All right. You know, 
So it's one of those things where you, you stay away from the guy that's got like 10 reviews and no photos and de- demands the highest price. You know, yeah. there it's one, it's one of those things where those with low ratings on TCG player, if you're, if you're trying to sell with low ratings on TCG player, you're going to have a bad time. Um, it's not a place I would recommend for that. But TCG player is where I go for buying my collection cards and the return policy is really easy um, to, to do. You was it like you print out a form or something like that that you got in you got included into your package, um, and you just send it back. And after so long, they'll you know appropriate time they'll go ahead and give you your return. Um, it's been pretty solid. I've it's, it's very easy for a return. It's frustrating when it's like clearly off. Uh, depending on what card it is, there was one time I made a uh, it was a Garchomp EX. Um, so it was like a hundred dollars or so near me or s- something like that. And it was, with, it was like there's like an imprint on the back with scratches. It should have been lightly played or moderately played, um, and they had it as near mint. So I, I was very frustrated. So I returned it. Like obviously near mint, you're not going to get PSA ten, right? Yeah. That, that's another thing to keep in mind. If it looks minty, it's somebody's probably sending it off to to be graded. It's something else to consider. Um, so unless it's like ultra modern. So with some of these cards, it's like. That's I see some buyers like complaining like it, it, it said near mint, but it was maybe a PSA eight. <laughs> it's like that's near mint. Yeah, you know, I think there's there's a lot of naivete when it comes to the expectations of what near mint is, and it is not a gem at ten. A gem at ten is something that's obviously the creme de la creme. It's something better than your usual near mint cards. Um, but TCG player is definitely great for buying a bunch of cards. You're trying to complete buyer sets. I don't. Maybe you're trying to get one specific card. You know, maybe your fa- your favorite Pokemon is I don't know, Mimikyu, like you, <laughs> and you're just trying to collect all these meme cards. It's a great place to type in Mimikyu and just go to town. Um, very very fun. It's one of my most fun times going through. I cannot wait when I sell my Lurkana cards and I can complete my binder sets because it's going to be incredible going on to that, that spending spree whenever I get that. Um, so a delayed avocation is definitely what I'm doing with that. Um, now, FB and Instagram, I barely buy or sell on there. Um, I've bought a couple items. Everything was good. Um, they were all legit people. Every time I do, though, I'm very nervous. Um, yes, there's like PayPal and you potentially get a, a refund and stuff. But you know what? I just don't like dealing with people. People. Yeah. Honestly, like that's really what it comes down to me is this interaction with people. And there's because it's it's your own per- and then it's your own personal profile, too, which is something else I, I don't like. And yes, my pr- profile is on private. So it's like they can't see the majority. Of it, but the fact that they see enough is I, I don't like either. Um, and yes, you potentially get it cheaper. But a lot of times they'll expect a deduction from the eBay fees. So you're really not saving too much, honestly. Like people say, like you're saving on these fees. It's like, well, when you're selling for fifteen percent less, you really aren't. You're just—it's better for the buyer, is what it is at that point. Yeah. Not necessarily the seller. There's more risk as a seller in some ways, uh, and you're not necessarily saving as much unless you are. It's a card you're able to sell at maybe ten percent less than eBay. Then you are making more money, and it's worth it. Uh, but that's kind of a context-dependent thing. And I 
have only sold a couple of times through FB slash Instagram, and it's something I don't really deal with. I've only purchased a couple times. I've only sold a couple times. I like, even though with the fees, you reach a larger market. Every time I post an FB in Instagram, it's like crickets, absolute crickets. I have, yeah. Whereas with eBay, you get to eBay, you have more of a reach. You reach more people, and it's eventually you'll sell it. You just post it up there. Whereas I had to take that out of listing because I forgot that I had a listing up. It was like from eight months ago. People were so somehow finding this listing and messaging me. I'm like, nah, bro, that was eight months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So. And then there's car shops. But yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll kind of cover everything you covered. So, TCG Player and, like, Troll and Toad, sites like that. Yeah, they're really good for making binder sets, um, especially if you're not looking for the best condition. Because, yeah, they their condition is a little weird. So Yeah, it is. The main thing is, like you said, you know, they'll list something near Mint, and people will think, like... It's like gem mint, but yeah, in reality, near mint is like seven, eight. You know, I think it's even six, maybe. Like I, I can't remember what the sixth grade. It's like something to near mint or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking something different, but yeah, it's like so. Yeah, people's expectations are not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I personally buy from those sites when I know, like, I don't care to have a six, seven or eight. Like I only buy the listings that say near mint, but I'm also expecting like a seven and I'm not expecting to grade it. Um, it's only for binders and that's it. So I avoid any disappointment. I've bought first edition hollows off there and, you know, I bought them so long ago that, They've been fine, but in reality, should have like probably went to eBay for some of those. But so you learn there, you kind of learn the condition. But yeah, as far as Facebook and Instagram, I really like selling. I I pretty much don't post on Facebook just because I don't mess with Facebook too much at all. Um, but on my Instagram, I like posting things. Um, People seem to trust me enough to even do friends and family for smaller stuff. Um, Those who don't, I get kind of, you know, weary as anyone else, but it is through PayPal is how I do it. So you are kind of protected there. Um, I always try to send an invoice so you can, (gasps) PayPal sees you charging them for something and then them paying you for that thing. And so then it's like kind of like eBay. You kind of have the buyer protection. So you can send an invoice to someone. Um, I highly recommend doing that rather than just, you know, having PayPal see this random money come to you for seemingly nothing. So if you're doing business transactions, really try to do an invoice. Um, They do have their fees and all that. So... It's kind of like a fine line. It's like, well, do I just post on eBay instead? Which I like doing. Um, The fees don't really bug me that much unless there's an opportunity to sell it in person like CollectCon, like I talked about earlier. Um, In that situation, I'm holding on to those cards because I know I'm going to CollectCon. 
Um, it'd be easy just to sell them in person, bargain, haggle, possibly trade, because I'm sure I'm going to see something there I like. So just for the fun of it is why I'm keeping that. But it doesn't bug me to sell on eBay with the fees because they are, as you said, extremely convenient. It's the best platform by far if you want to get eyes on it. Everyone's looking on there. Um, and it's my preferred way to buy things as well. Um, you do have to keep an eye out for the sellers who you're buying from. Make sure they're established. Um, if they are lower on the feedback scale, look at their other items. Um, most of the time I do that. Like if someone has less than 100 feedback and I look at their other items, it's like a random mix of collectibles and other cards. So that's a good sign. You know, it's just someone just doing this small time, trying to make a little extra cash. Um, here recently, buyers from or sellers from Japan have gotten a little weird with promo cards. So I would almost throw that into something, which I guess this is kind of already jumping into it a little bit, but. I would throw that in the category of something to look out for. Look out for these stores, and it's not just Japan, but it's like these big store chains. So there for a while, maybe it was just a hype thing when everyone was buying things up, but I remember seeing this Japanese seller, like less than 100 feedback, but it was like a card store, and they had tons of other card listings for sale. And... You'd buy the item or bid on the item, and they're like, oh, well, we don't actually have that in this warehouse. It's in, like, another warehouse, so we're sorry for the inconvenience. We have to cancel. So I don't know what the deal is with all those. I've been trying to avoid them. It's like a giant network of multiple eBay accounts, multiple stores and warehouses, it seems like, that is just a real pain to negotiate with. Lots of canceled items and stuff like that, which, you know, it's not really a risk of getting scammed. It's just more of an annoyance. Um, yeah. I know Trolling Toad a... was dealing with that, too. Like, you'd order the card. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we don't have that. Sorry. It's like you had it in stock on your site, but, you know, that was also during hype, and I'm sure they were just getting bombarded as well. Mm-hmm. So. Because a lot of times when it comes to, I don't know how they run their inventory, but like, it's it's a possibility where if you sold it in person and it was listed on their online store, that they potentially didn't take it off. Because I know with the this occurred with Yeti Gaming, there's a card that they only had one of, and it, I took I bought that card, and two days later, like I remember Vince saying like, hey. Th- it's one of the boys take the card off the inventory two days later it was still there yeah so that's one of those things where when you got to manually t- take it off and like you're like telling somebody to do it and then they get busy it, it can be for forgotten um that might have been how it was but i do know when it comes to the japanese sellers i've had a few issues with them as well but the biggest thing is this is kind of one of the issues in the hobby itself a lot of these Japanese sellers are choosing to sell on eBay because even with their fees and all that stuff, they're still making more money than what they would make by selling in their local shops because they're able to scalp it for 130 150 bucks, 
Meanwhile, was it $50 now for a booster box, something like that? So their cost per booster box is probably somewhere between $20 and $30 a box. So with that in mind, you know, just think about how much money they're making on each one of their boxes. They're tripling their money even after the the, the uh, fees and everything else. Yeah. So that's an issue. And then you're seeing kind of from posts on Instagram, from some Japanese buyers that they can't get any because they're selling all their stuff on eBay. You know, that's kind of something hurting the Japanese. And I wonder if that's one of the things that Pokemon took note of and one of the things that they were doing well. And they end up making our cards better because of that. I wonder if like we think like Pokemon is actually doing this for their English audience. Like, oh, they're being such bros. They're listening to their audience. But in all reality, it very well could be, oh, we're screwing over our Japanese uh, consumer base. Let's make it to where the English don't have the, or, you know, the Westerners don't have the desire to buy the Japanese product as much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little column A, a little column B, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely changing. Um Yeah, for for more pros, um if you do have a store like Yeti Gaming in the St. Louis area for us, um or Collectors Cash, you guys may have seen them online. They're Kansas City as their home base, so that's pretty close as well. Um yeah, check out what they have online. Both of those stores for us, they have big eBay accounts, and you can see what they have. You can see what they have on their websites. Um, so you might be able to get to know them personally since they're local if you have one in your area. Um, card shops are always great. Um, unfortunately, like I think I see card shops as more of like a, a bargaining type thing. Um, yeah. Because they've they've kind of been getting the shaft lately. If you're not like a huge store, product has been kind of hard to find. So if product on the secondary market is more expensive, I know sometimes they have to mark it up just to make mm -hmm. it worth it or just to keep something on their shelves. Like a box might be selling for 120 online. They might have it for 140 just because they don't care to sell it. It's like they got to keep something on the shelf because they don't know when they're going to get new stuff in. So yeah. it's been harder to find bargains like that, I think, unless you're looking for singles, like especially modern, where there's plenty of. Well. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't really go into that realm much. It's one of those things where you're also, if you're a smaller store, it's one of those things where it's harder to find deals nowadays. I'm not saying necessarily Pokemon. This is kind of anything, right? Like, so with the internet and the informational age, a store like a like Goodwill or I don't know, um, just any other store where you take a look at a price of something, it's like, oh, it's going for this online, and I'm selling it for twenty percent of that. What am I doing? So you obviously, if people are paying for this online, you match the price or you come within 15% of the price. Because people, what other choice do you have? Oh, it's going for this online? Well, I'm 15 to 20% cheaper. Instead of it being 20% of the overall value, you have 8% of the going market value. What's the desire for the, what's the need for the business to lower the item Especially when there's very little competition in the area. 
it's one of those things where to find these deals, quote unquote, it's kind of harder because it allows folks to sell at that going rate. And it just kind of is what it is. There's any, any sort of collection hobby you have that anything that involves a, whatever the going rate is for the market compared to steals, you know, gone mostly are the days where you can find a hot game for like $5 and it's $50 online, even, even though it's a used game, but not for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Those days are becoming harder and harder because businesses don't have to because they have the power because they have basically supply and demand. That's exactly what, what it is. So when it comes to card shows and well, card shops, that's kind of a similar thing as well. And in addition to that, it's also one of those things, depending on what it is, on how easy they can get a hold of it with economies of scale, it's easier to sell. They have to sell at that price, as you said, to make money. They have, they have their overhead to make. They have miscellaneous expenses. They're paying employees. So whenever people say, like, oh, my God, it's, it's the same price as eBay or whatever, it's like, or it's like 50% lower, it's like, well, there's a reason for that. You know? Now, there is, the, there is also the other side of the coin, like during the hype, when they had more accessibility to certain products, but they were still selling it at ridiculous rates because a lot of the people that were getting the items first were more or less either the big LGSs or the big box stores. Yep. So, so it's just one, one of those things where I don't really get offended by that. Like, I understand. I really do. And I think other people should too. But what I like about card shops is a lot of times, like with Yeti Gaming, they took their 15% off from eBay. So you do save money. You do save for the fees. And it's cheaper than you would be able to get it anywhere else, more or less. The only way you can get it cheaper is if you're basically preying on a desperate seller that needs money fast like that's the only way you can get some cases cheaper at this point yeah well any other pros as far as buying or selling on either one uh, um the big one for car shops is you can do trade that, yeah. that kind of goes with car shows car shop car shows car shops are pretty much interchangeable that's how i that's how i have them listed because they're the same concept and you can inc- you can incorporate trade, and that's the big incentive. So you see certain cards you want, or you're trying to get m- money fast. It's good for that because you can go there. It's almost like a, a, a currency in some or like a like a currency exchange. Like you're not going to get full value, but you're going to get like fifty percent or so if it's fluid cards. And so you're getting money ASAP, which is the cool thing. If you if you're desperate for money, that's something you, you can do. Um, it's something where like there's less fees, as I said, and just in general, you can include trade to put towards another item. I think that's what's great with card shops. And another thing is, I support card. You want to support your local card shops because if those businesses go away, you won't have those places to go and visit anymore. I'm very, very adamant about giving, keeping money local if possible, and giving money towards small businesses like these smaller card shops. I mean, Yeti isn't small, but they are a small business. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm very, very like my, my comics. I almost caught all my comics from a, a local guy, a local shop, because I want these places to keep on existing. I want to be able to go inside these places and be able to shop. It's like I'm a kid when I'm I'm in these places. I'm just enjoying myself, just having a good time. I want that to maintain. You don't get that with buying stuff exclusively online. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a factor. If you can fork it up and support them, that's that's definitely great. And yeah, it's uh, 
you know, it's not really wise that much. I, well, I don't think to open a card shop anymore. Um, there are a lot of benefits to just building a brand online and just doing it online and, you know, turning it into like a YouTube channel or stuff like that. Um, you need to have the cost. Mm -hmm. so, but yeah, so it's, it'll be sad. Like if we see the ones we have now start disappearing, you know, it's a lot harder as time goes on, I think to make something like that happen. But as far as the downsides, though, hmm, I guess I can just kind of go through the main ones real quick for my stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, downsides, you know, dealing off of a platform like eBay or like PayPal with invoice, you do run the risk of, yeah, more, I don't know, sketchiness. It is nice on eBay that you know a lot of people are afraid to buy on eBay because they hear the stories of being scammed and all this. eBay has great protection, and mm. you should not be scared of that. As a buyer. Um, yeah, a lot of people, I don't know, just get too weirded out. You know, I, I just say go for it, and if something comes up, eBay usually resolves it. Um I can understand if you're spending like thousands or quite the hefty amount, but usually you're buying a lot of smaller cards by then to build up your trust and all that. Um, and yeah, I think you can talk on this once again um, about some downsides with customer relations. I, I think it's gotten worse after the hype. You know, this is going to back your story up, but... It's definitely gotten worse after 2020 just because of the sheer volume of people in the hobby has just exploded. And, you know, people's experience um, and accountability has just had a new floor. And it's a lot lower than it used to be. So people don't care. Like, oh, yeah, I'll buy this. And five minutes later, well... I asked what I could get it for for this other guy, and, and he accepted too, so I, I just want to cancel. It's like, just be a good person and, you know, not annoying. Like, I just block everybody like that, essentially. It's just so annoying. But you see a lot more of those people, you know, low feedback accounts, brand new accounts that just hop on to buy something. I don't know what it is, but for cards under... $50, I have exponentially more problems with that card value than I do cards over $1,000. It's like, it's kind of a joke. Um, I heard us and Pratt say it before, but it's like, yeah, it's almost like a meme. $20 card, there's a, there's a little guy, well, would you take 15 minus fees and, uh, you know, ship it tracked. And then there's a guy who buys two $2,000 car, just no problem. Like, okay, what's your PayPal? Here you go. Give me a tracking number. <laughs> it's like I've experienced that myself so many times. Um, yeah, and I just think, you know, it's just the, the age or experience level of people buying cards at that level is just a different world 
compared to the experienced collector willing to drop thousands on a card. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, tell I us a little bit something. about your experience with that. So this last week, the first one I was pretty stoked for. Um, it was Thursday. About ten a.m. No, but it was it was it was Thursday, and I I had four four uh, cards, uh, four quantity of, of the same card, and the guy bought two. Whatever, it was Umbreon. I totally get it. Umbreon's awesome, right? Um, he bought two. Didn't have time to think much of it. I got the notification at work, and then I, I noticed about an hour and a half later, he got another notification. I was like, two more? No shit, awesome. And then I looked at it. It was the same buyer. And I, so I at this point I went ahead and shot over a message. I'm like, hey, uh, just confirming you want to make sure you meant to buy all four of these cards from me. Like that was intentional because the thing was it was like an hour and a half between buys. Like it wasn't just like like yeah. a minute and a half. It bought was or like five minutes. Again. Yeah, and so I obviously first thing I do is I take a look at the who who I'm saying it to. One rating feedback account since August of 2022. Okay, red flag is going off all over the place. The name that they, the username that they had, had didn't make any sense compared to the name filed. It was like Leroy Jenkins or something like that. No, not really. But it's pretty. It's pretty much what it was. And then it was like A B B Q Q nine six nine or something like that. And I'm like. Okay, one feedback. I sent out a message, no response for 24 hours. Okay, whatever. I sent out another message, no response for 24 hours. I was like, okay, I'm canceling this order. And guess what? They never responded to me. But okay, a day after this initial transaction, I have another guy. Like, hey, would you do 60 for it's it's the uh, PSA 10 semi seer from uh, the art rare from Beastar Universe. And I had it list for 70. I was like, yeah, uh, no, but I'll meet you in the middle of 64. And I was like, we do 62. I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. That's like, if he would have said like 63.50 or 64, I probably would have said yes. But he, he said 62. Like, he completely ignored most of what I said. And See, he I was love not pennies. being in the position. Like, if I don't have to sell something. If they send me something back like two dollars less of an offer, it's, like I just it's insulting. Decline. It's insulting. It's like, dude, it's two it bucks. Come on. And I mean, you can say it for us too, but yeah, like we said, I am not in a position to sell. Now, should I have probably sold it at sixty-two because it was kind of like mid of what I sold it for? Maybe, but I have a whole thing with maybe it's me, kind of like. Like, I'm not going to be taken advantage of. But that's essentially what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the best deal possible. Okay, great for them. However, you're not going to be trying to step on me because you want you want the best deal possible. So he says, like, well, let me think about it at, like, 64.50, which is what we, we agreed to on, or 64 or something let like that. Let me think about those $2. Yeah, okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then 45 minutes later, or an hour later, he went to begin. It's like, okay, I'll do it. I was like, okay, I'll send the offer. I sent the offer. He bought it. He paid for everything. And I was like, awesome, great. And I was literally about to get home and ship it. And then I, I got a message like, hey, can you cancel that order? It was like 30 minutes or 40 minutes after he bought it. And I was like, why do you want me to cancel the order? Because somebody offered me for 61 I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> 
it's I canceled like, it. Dude, come on. Like I so I I canceled it. I'm like, okay, whatever. I and I was like, you know what? I, I had a he- I haven't had to deal with this issue personally when it comes to like having to relist an item so soon after the transaction, but I was able to relist it immediately. So I was, I was pretty I was I was pretty cool. But I told him I was like, you know what? This really annoys me because there was three buyers on that watch list when I sent out that offer, and you bought it, and now those watchers are gone. So they, in theory, could have potentially bought it, but we don't know. See, and- that's that's my problem with it. Like, it depends what mood I'm in. So sometimes I'll just yeah. be like whatever and accept and just like just blow them off. Like if I have a card for if I send them an offer for 64 and they say 62 and they look legit, I'd be like, you know, whatever and just kind of laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Um if it involves me messaging them, I'll just straight up decline. Like if I if I send them an offer and then they send me another offer like $2 less and they're like well this is the best I can do it's like on those like I don't know if they're if I sense they're being petty like that like I'll just decline because yeah you got mm-hmm. other people like if I really care about the dollars like that much like yeah I could just accept and say whatever but it's more out of principle for me because like that person doesn't want to spend two extra dollars on this card it's like what else what else might he do well that, that the and then it's like mind. they they should be buying this card for them loving the card and maybe maybe it's wrong for me to like apply how i buy cards because i if there's a card i like and it's anywhere within like five percent of like market value you know granted these are like cheaper cards. Bigger cards have to be a little closer. But if there's like a card that last sold for 55 and I see one that's like 57, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll just buy now. It's like, not worth the time. Yeah, it's not worth the time for me to send an offer and for them to think about. Because if I send them an offer, like I don't want to buy another one and continue looking buy another one and then have them accept and buy two, you know. It's not worth the time for that. It's in the other situation. It's not worth the time for me to wait on them. Like I just decline and it's like, let's just get a deal done. Quit making up excuses. Quit Mm -hmm. fiddling here, fiddling there. If you like the card get it, it's $2. (laughs) Okay. Now I relist the item because I end up, I was able to relist the item after all. Um, Even though, his payment was still processing with this one. I'm like, awesome. That's cool. And so 45 minutes later, same guy. I thought maybe he wouldn't be like, oh, hey, I'll, I'll go ahead and buy that after all. No. <laughs> so, he, so he already said he bought one for 61. He messaged me, would you do take 57? I am like, what the shit? Are you serious right now? And he was like, wait a minute, I just realized you're the same guy. Don't respond. I was like, I wasn't going to respond to your joker ass anyways. But he, so he, so two things. One, he lied to me, which is whatever. He lied to me, and he was trying to get it cheaper because he saw another list, and he thought he had, he had doubts. Two, the other option is he didn't lie to me, but he actually did purchase for that price, and he was trying to find it even cheaper, like for a couple bucks. 
Yeah, and he might be buying them and then telling people, like, hey, look, this one just sold. Would you do this? And then buying that one, canceling the order. Hey, this one just sold. Would you take this? Over it's like, a relatively common, or it'd be a common car in PSA 10 eventually. And yeah, if he's doing like, that, I mean, I respect the hustle, but Jesus, I guess, it's like over, two, over five fucking dollars. Yeah, it's like you could be spending your time so much more better and you're wasting your own time. But if, if those five dollars are going to make you feel that much better, you know, waste your wait. time. Go ahead. Just wait two more months and the card's going to be a $50 card. <laughs> like, seriously, like, why put all this hustle and all this this stress towards, like, this encompasses, like, three hours, okay? Who knows how if this was the only card he was doing this with or if there's multiple cards. Either way, it's clearly a fixation, and you're clearly spending a large quantities of time over a few bucks. You know what? Opportunity cost is a thing. Spending three hours trying to negotiate a deal for three bucks isn't worth my time to worry, stress, and have anxiety over for my opportunity cost when I can be enjoying reading my comics, out playing Pokemon Doe. Literally doing anything else besides trying to haggle with a stranger over five dollars, two fifty, whatever it was. I mean, geez. and and okay, and, and I'm still not done. This was all in the same weekend, okay. And then, so next day, or no, this was thirty minutes. Okay, I think this was this was thirty minutes after the last transaction happened. I had another guy message me over the Umbreon beanbags, the same ones I had to cancel. He was like, "Hey, I just bought the card." Um, would you do less? <laughs> like he bought it and then like, hey, would you take less for this? I was like, whatever. Yeah, it's I really frustrating it. dealing with that. I, I guess, I guess, I guess I'll cancel it because you don't want to get a bad review, right? I was like, I'll sell it to you for thirty-five, no lower, because I don't want a, a, a negative review. I'm not a big time shop. I can't. Have one negative review would kill me, so I can't do that. I'm like, okay, I'll do it for thirty five. He was like, thank you, and I was like, whatever. No, not really, but I was, <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, and then okay, and then so three days later, I had another low feedback buyer buy an item, but this time he had he had zero feedback, no feedback since like, and he's he's like Ben Brown since like March twenty twenty two or like something. I'm like, uh, okay. But I sent this one off. Now, you might think, oh, well, man, you're crazy. Like, well, it's an international sale. So it's got to go through um, eBay's international warehouse, and it was going to Canada. I was like, you know what? Let that mofo try and say I didn't send the item, okay? It went through eBay's <laughs> international warehouse, okay? I want him to try and pull that shit <laughs> and see what happens. Because I know I'm good. Yeah. I, I like, like, you're trying to say I sent the wrong card? Prove it. It wasn't. They're gonna like. They're not gonna. Are they really gonna? I can't imagine eBay's gonna. I haven't had an issue where eBay would side with a buyer yet because I'm. I have great packaging. I ship everything perfectly. I, I do everything right. So it's something I don't have to have have, have to deal with. Yeah. And we'll to be determined on that. What's going to happen with that buyer? Because I've I've no clue. I That's really the thing. Don't. Like shipping internationally, like eBay makes it really easy there too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Their yeah, GSP sure. service is great. Um, speaking of, when you said that, that that made me think of something that I went through when my PSA 10 Grand Party got damaged mm, yeah, on yeah, the way sure. to yeah. Germany. 
or wherever it was. I thought it was in Indonesia. Yeah, somewhere over there. Yeah, yeah. Germany, <laughs> Indonesia, kinda, you know, kind of half a world yeah, apart. Whatever. They're neighbors, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Australia. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Japan. You know, but yeah, it was somewhere or no? It was Singapore. I don't know why. Oh, I see, thought, Singapore. Yeah, Singapore. Yeah. I knew it was somewhere in that area. Because yeah, I actually send a lot. I send a lot to Germany, Singapore, and what was another popular place? I don't know. Those two really stick out. Like a lot of sales. Oh, Italy, I think. It, really random, but I've had multiple cards. Like for some reason, I recognize that stick out. But Germany and Singapore, especially, there's a lot of users on eBay um, trying to buy from there. But yeah, if you have something that sells through the GSP and you ship it out and it arrives damaged, it is on eBay entirely. As long as you get the item shipped to eBay and they say they received it and that it was shipped from their place to the buyer and like stage two of the shipment, like anything after that point is on eBay itself. And I say that because this person, so there, let's rewind a little bit. eBay is supposed to take the item and like assure that, yes, this is the item. This is going to this person overseas and then they ship it you know, following their own guidelines. I'm not sure what those guidelines are, but they ship it from their, um, I think, Erangler or Erangler or whatever the town is called, Kentucky. Um, they ship it globally from that site. So they have their own protocols or policies or whatever how to ship them. But your job is to just ship it to eBay. And if you guys ever have a high-dollar item, that is damaged using the GSP, uh, message me directly on Instagram or something because it's kind of a gray area as far as like who you talk to. Um, but eBay should cover the damages. Now, my item in particular was a PSA 10 grand party, which was like $2,000. The guy went through GSP the guy received it damaged like it was a crack down the slab, like it had got crushed or something. And you could take the card out of the case, maybe, but it was like a crack on the surface of the card. So who knows if the card itself got damaged. You know, if you regraded this thing, it could have got another 10, could have got a 4 if it had a crease on it from that. I just did not want to mess with that. So me and the buyer, who was really cool, um, we opened up a claim and we agreed, like, yeah, this is weird. Let's just wait. You have to wait a certain amount of time for eBay to step in. Um, so we waited the however many days for eBay to step in. And, you know, that, that was open. Um, they ruled it in favor of... The buyer, like where the buyer obviously got his money back, but the case was still open between me and eBay. So, 
they were just reviewing all the info essentially and that's that's normal if you're a buyer that's why i say like you should have nothing to worry about ebay sides with the buyers a lot so they were just saying like yeah it's obviously not the buyer's fault you know here's your money don't worry about it now let's resolve it with the seller because it might not be his fault either so i ended up calling them just to kind of speed up the process and the first lady i talked to had no idea what she was talking about <laughs> she was like oh yeah it's uh they you pretty much have to just take the card back and accept the return and yeah you would just have to grade it again i guess like it was like that like she knew the terminology but she was just like yeah i mean you have to accept the return and no you have to you have to do it and i was like okay like whatever but I had already read on like some eBay forums about this whole process. And so I just called back and got another guy and essentially talked to someone who actually knew the policy. And yeah, they, they sided with me. So that's why I really like, especially the GSP, just tell people like, just reach out to me. I'm happy to share with you what I did. Um, their customer service and like calling eBay is actually really good. You get through really quick uh, most times. Um, but I ended up doing like a, a messaging on the web and then they called me and stuff like this. It was kind of like a little weird thing. But yeah, not all people at eBay fully understand the situation. And, you know, with that, if I would have just taken what the first lady said, and just had to take the card back and lose potentially 2000 bucks if the card was damaged. Like, yeah, a, a lot of people would say, oh, okay, like, you're the eBay person. I, I guess I have to do that. But that's why I use every opportunity to go on this spiel of, like, as long as you ship it to GSP, the Global Shipping Program, anything that happens after that is on eBay. So... Keep that in mind. And I think that was pretty obvious that something happened post-transit because of the way the box was smashed and everything like that. So that was pretty easy to go in your favor. Um, now, I know you mentioned before in one of the early episodes about a potential loophole, but I think that's very context-dependent on this whole thing. Like, the only way it would possibly work if it was literally a thing between two buyers that knew each other or that we're in on it for cahoots that it could become an actual scam. Um, I think I think it's no way to do it with just random people to do it. But if you knew somebody internationally, you're like, okay, we're going to split the money and we're going to damage this card and or damage this slab and then you know go, go from there. But that's so the time to do it and the risk for it. There's better ways to make money, honestly. Like yeah, that's just, one thing that I did think about. It's like. Yeah, like, and you know, obviously they they paid the buyer back and they paid me back. So eBay just ate that cost because it was on them. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, there's still a card. If that card got damaged and had an indention, like it's still $500 card, raw, you know. So it's like, who keeps that? So it's like. I just messaged, messaged the guy. I'm like, yeah, if you want to send it back, that'd be cool. If not, whatever. Because he, he does not have to send it back, you know. And in the end, I got my money back, which is all 
that I was worried about. You wanted, I, yes. Yeah. Not really got my money back. I just got the money for the sale. So, yeah. like, that's my intention anyway. I was just trying to sell the card. So, maybe he cracked it out of the case and graded it again, and he got a 10 for free. Who knows? But, yeah, that that's between him and eBay. eBay can investigate that all they want. Mm-hmm. Um, if they start seeing that happening, they will be cracking down on buyers a lot more in that situation but in this situation though he sent me a picture like like i said he was really cool he sent me a picture of the package he had taken a picture of it um like as he discovered this and you could tell he like cut a little slit on top and it was very obvious that the package was like i don't know it was just a bubble mailer um so you definitely want to be sending stuff internationally and a little better box but the gsp is supposed to supply you know with whatever they think will work like on the forums they said people are essentially supposed to like inspect the item and place it in their own international box but for some reason this one just got thrown in so maybe that's why um eBay just kind of ate the cost because they didn't do that, or they're trying to cut costs. Either way, you know, it's on yeah. them. That is say to me, I would have put it in a box, like a small box it's with, like, wrap. If it was a 2000 talk going to Singapore. But, yeah. you know, usually it, I, it is. Usually I do, but if they go through GSP, like just getting the card to GSP, like I'll just do bubble for everything. Because there's, yeah, they're supposed to handle that on their end. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, they usually box things. Usually I'll get, sometimes I'll get packages within a box because, you know, that's the GSP. They're ensuring that it gets there once it's in their hands safely. Mm-hmm. But for some reason they didn't with this one. But, you know, they ended up eating the cost for it. Yeah. And I also wanted to say for those that have never sold on eBay, what's, what makes eBay so great, you can is what I love about them. I know other places are similar, but it's easy to print out a label. Like, they, they make everything for you. They make it so easy, anybody can do it. You know, you know your bank account information because the money's got to go somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And then you go ahead and your address is in there, obviously. And then whenever you sell something, the labels automatically made. You just have to pay for it. You don't have to go through them, but it's easier because a lot of times it's cheaper. It's like, 15 to 20% cheaper than paying it through the actual USPS or wherever you're going, which is great because of that. Um, so that that's another pro also going through eBay. You can save a little bit of money when shipping as well. Um, and that's something I really like. It makes it so easy to ship anything out. It really does. It's like literally a click of two buttons. That's all it is. Yeah. And um, I do have... There's, we kind of mentioned this before as well, but, you know, we also mentioned the Japanese seller. Sometimes, like, a lot of people were hesitant, especially when Japanese was becoming kind of a thing, like, especially big amongst Western audiences. They were unsure about who to buy from, which one would be safe, especially for, like, a pre-order. And I'm like, listen, if they got a bunch of reviews and it's pretty much all positive, you're good, you're golden. However... For EV Heroes, there was, I took a risk uh, for one buyer I would, whenever I bought all my boxes. And I knew the guy only had like a four review, but I was like, you know what? It was cheaper than everybody. I'm going to go ahead and give it a chance. No problem at all, right? 
Well, about five days later or something like that, or seven days later, I noticed the account looked like it was defunct. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what? Uh, and so I went ahead and I was still able to PM the guy. I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, I couldn't pay for my fees or something like that. So eBay shut me down. I'm like, oh, Sketch City, Sketch City. Uh, you don't have enough in your account to pay for the end of the month eBay fees? Uh, okay. Um, so I was like, you know, I could, like, hopefully you'll still keep us keep with me. I was like, no, let's cancel this order right now. Because it wasn't like one box. It was like four boxes. Yeah. I was like, I'm not taking that chance when the set was still going to release a few months away. I'm like, just cancel it. And then I ended up paying, it was like 5 to $10 more a box, but I was like, whatever. It was from it was from a seller I knew I would be de- defendable, or most likely. So that's something else. Like, reviews for, for buyers matter, too. Um, just because you also don't know how they're going to ship it. I haven't had really any issues when I buy from it, and then they ship stuff to me. I haven't had too much crappy you know sketch sellers when it comes to that with tct player though when it comes to the binder card sometimes people will straight up throw the card into a damn envelope and that's it and that's like i have like cardboard and that's it i'm like jesus christ yeah for sure. guys uh but that's just a narrow one of the cons that we forgot to mention is sometimes that happens and you know so a lot of sellers are good they'll put sandwich it between two cardboard and obviously when this happens with the envelope it's because the cards only like you're buying a couple cards and it's only like five, six bucks. It's not worth buying a label. You send it out in a letter with um, stamps. It's more cost effective that way. Yeah. But, uh, and then I also mentioned this at the one with a scammer, or not a scammer, but, you know, we've talked about this reseal paranoia, paranoia and how, oh, I didn't pull anything good. It must be reseal. <laughs> oh, God. And I had one of those back during the hype with Pokemon or with the uh, evolutions. And the guy left me a neutral feedback saying, I'm pretty sure, I don't know definitively, but I'm pretty sure that these boxes came were resealed because I didn't pull anything. <laughs> it's like, well, you spent $400 open evolutions boxes. I mean, yeah, you're going to get burned <laughs> if you opened it. I thought this person was keeping it to keep sealed, but when he opened it, I was like, "What? Really? You really that dumb?" Like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. He got bad pools, and he thinks it was resealed because he's. I didn't get much better pools from my pair. I bought them in the same shelf, and I was, it was like the best I got. I think was the Charizard DX. Yeah. Like not not the Mega, just a regular Charizard DX. Like it's like yeah, he was just like mad. I had one like that. I was selling. Uh, I think it was base set packs when I had base set packs. I had three Charizards and a Venusaur, I think, a long cramp. I didn't say that they were heavy or light. I no. I just, well, I didn't say if they were heavy or light, but I explained that they were long crimped. They were obviously long crimped, and I had a picture of them on a scale. And I said, you know, weight should not be taken into account for these packs. And so I had one guy message me. He's like, I, based on the weight, I was supposed to get a hollow, and I didn't pull any hollow. And I was like, well, I showed you the weight of the pack in my picture. If you weigh it, it'll be that exact same weight for you. It's the long crimp. 
They're obviously going to be a little heavier. I told you I had no idea because I, I bought them loose from like a guy in St. Louis that just had them stowed away somewhere. So it's like, you know, I, I bought them and I just put them up for sale. I showed you every piece of information that I had. And I even said, you know, not guaranteed. So he, he was, he like messaged me like, I want a refund. It's, um, you know, that they, I pulled light pack and then he, he told me, he was like, I'm, I'm mad. I want a refund. I, I did not expect to get what I got. And so I was like, look, I mean, I, I told you, um, and that's all I can do. Sorry. And then I waited for him to like open up a claim and he never did. So he was just mad. He just sent a message kind of like your guy. It's like, well, it's like, why, why are you opening? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's already packs, a gameless like, policy anyways. Yeah. If you're buying a pack, like find someone who's opening a booster box and buy from them. Like you might be yeah. paying a little more on average than a random loose pack on eBay, but that's because you know it's from a box and yeah. they can charge that premium because people will buy it. Yep. And like, I, I didn't even know. You know, I just knew they were legit packs. Had no idea if they were heavy or light. Even if one weighed heavy, it's like this. You know, there could be just dirt buildup on the pack. <laughs> it could be making it a little heavier. Uh, I don't know, but okay. So that's why I got out of sealed. Yeah, that's why we both got out of sealed because of that bullshit. <laughs> and honestly. I haven't had, besides those, it's been mostly smooth sailing for, for me on eBay, though. Um, but that's, like, this interaction I had in the last, you know, couple weeks is why, I was like, you know what, we haven't done something like this, let's do something like this. And then you added, like, and, and you had, well, you had, like, a great episode idea, which was this. And I was like, okay, we gotta talk about shit, shit buyers. That's gotta be included somehow in here. Because <laughs> yeah. we got, we got, we gotta mention... Is that something that, like, when you're selling, you're new selling, that's something you're going you're gonna to be experimenting with. Oh, yeah, and another thing we forgot to mention with eBay is um, when I first started out, I was also hit with a scammer almost immediately. I was like, I, I didn't even have one sale yet, I don't think, under my name. And the first thing this guy was, like, saying, or this person was like, hey, you want to do this, uh, this sale off eBay? Immediate red flag if somebody says that. Or, like, send me an email. Um, and are like, let's do this through email, right? Now, Nathan and I make it obvious with our eBay accounts that, like, it literally says IG and then, like, PBJ collectibles. Like, it says IG. Like, if you know what that means, which most people do in this day and age, or, like, you know, you're like, okay, this guy has, is straight up saying his Instagram account. So the whole idea is, like, my account name is the Instagram account, Maybe it'd be easier if I have it in the profile, like PPJ Collectibles. So it's for people to message me off eBay. And a couple folks have. But a lot of my items aren't worth the trouble right now. So I haven't had it in a while. Um, but like when I, I sold the EV Heroes collector's box, I, and I actually did that deal off eBay. Um, I did it through Instagram because I saw the guy. I saw his, his review on eBay. It was high. It was like 100 plus, 100%. 
he gave me his real Instagram account, his actual name. I could tell it was him. He had like hundreds of posts on his Instagram account. He had himself with like his uh, his master's degree this past summer. He got. I'm like, it was totally him, right? I had no concerns with it. Um, so you could save that way. But again, this guy was also trying to get the eBay fees almost completely taken off. I just did it because I was able to get it sold and I did get more upfront because it with, without the fees. Um, so it was worth it. Although overall with the taxes, I was probably taking more of a, not a loss obviously, but less profit than I would have or less m margins than I would overall. But I mean, I sold that box so I could buy the Lorcana set. It was totally worth it. I don't care that it's $900 a set now. Do not care. I sold it for like five sixty off eBay. So what I was trying to get, I think, six fifty on eBay. I do not care. It is what it is. Which I think brings us kind of to our next point, though. When to sell. Yep. Unless you had something else you wanted to say, Nathan. No, I mean... Yeah, it's just frustrating dealing with all that, but yeah, we can touch on the timing here a little bit. We're at an hour and 35 already, but yeah, for for me, timing is relative. Um, if you're talking about strategically, if there's any, which you know a lot of people are in modern right now, if you're looking at anything modern, no matter when it was, whether it was 2015, 2020, 2022, yesterday, the best time to sell modern is essentially as soon as possible. Yep. Um, as far as singles go. Now, as far as product and stuff... I don't really want to touch on that aside mm -hmm. from like if there's obvious hype, I know there's really strong signals in your head telling you to buy in just because everyone else is. And I think that's a real problem with the hobby. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm trying to cut out of my collecting right now and downsizing. But if there's a hype, you know, try to try to sell into the hype. You know? mm -hmm. um, but outside of that, anything modern is just way overprinted now. Um, it was always the case, you know, back when I was buying packs in 2011, the anything that pretty much, even when I bought a booster box back then, I remember buying a next destiny's booster box when the EXs came back and I pulled a full art, Mewtwo EX, the best card in the set by far. Like it was the chase card. Sold that thing for 120 bucks, which was pretty crazy. Like out of any set that came out, like the two years before that, the most expensive chase card that's ever been in the set was like 60, 70 bucks. And then these EXs came back, and Mewtwo EX was so OP that it was going for 120. Um, it's kind of like the Moombreon, like the chase cards of the sets were going for like 200, 300, and all of a sudden Moombreon comes and he's 500, 600. That was like what this set did. Um, I sold that card immediately and, you know, just waited and bought it back later. 
So yeah, that's how it is today as well. These cards are so produced. Um, scarcity isn't there. You want to sell into the hype like right from the get-go. And if you really like the card, just buy it back um, a couple months later when you know mm-hmm. the hype is on to the next thing. If you're talking about like specialty products like um, Celebrations UPC, Metal Charizard, or something like that, um, the timing on those is a little shorter, but they still pretty much follow the same cycle. Um, then when you get into like weird, like limited promos, like the precious collection box, like something that never reaches MSRP, but stays above, which that was the celebrations UPC as well. Um, you know, even if people, even if it's like a $150 product and it's selling for 300 on eBay, usually a few months down the line, if you're really wanting to buy into that product, it might not be 150 ever. Um, no, but it, it might dip down to like 250 or something like that. You know, the hype dies down, more people open them, more people get disinterested in them. And then over time, the good products start turning around like the EV heroes, the celebrations, UPC stuff like that starts turning around. Um, we saw that with Evolving Skies as well, but that has hype involved, um, Mm -hmm. which is really unpredictable. Um, so when you see that, those rare occasions don't get too attached and just kind of look outside the box. Like I'm sure a lot of people saw it go up and then sold. And then of course we saw it go up even higher. Um, that's just kind of the hype effect, but don't let it get to you. Don't like something just because other people like it. You know, the whole hobby is shouting that you should like this card. You know, just like what you like, and your instincts will grow over time, and you'll learn these cycles, and you'll learn these products. So that's kind of the best thing that I can, you know, get. If you're looking for something collectible and scarce, just think for a second, like how many evolving skies packs are out there? Like it's just way overproduced product. And on top of that, just think of all the people who aren't even opening it that are just keeping it for themselves to sell in the future. You know, it's, it's weird, but one metric I always think about from Pokemon's existence up until like 2018, I forget how many cards were produced, but that same... It was like 9 million. Or no, never mind, never mind, sorry. Go ahead. It was like just under that, but like the amount of cards they produced from like 1999 in the US up until like 2018 or 2019 was the same amount of cards they produced from like 2020 to 2022. Like, that is just insane how many more cards are produced. And, like, people are still, like, base set booster boxes are still available. (laughs) Just think of Evolving Skies in the future, you know. Just, Just think about those things, and you'll get better as you're in the hobby and you see these things happen. But, 
it's hard to tell someone when to sell. It's just you got to observe patterns and just kind of explain it that way, I think, you know. Yeah, because if you if there were another hype like the pandemic and Hogan Paul hype, if there were another one, would people be able to recognize it enough and would they sell too early? Or would they sell just at the right time? You know, we don't expect to see, I don't expect to see anytime soon anything like the hype that we saw in 2020. But I think it's something that we could see significant increases with the right elements um, involved. And for those that have, like me, like, yes, I was one of the ones that did come in during the hype. But at the same time, I was in and out of the hobby as well. And I have you, my own personal Pokemon TCG historian as well, in, in my, on, on my shoulder. Like one little angel, if you can say like, hey, you know. <laughs> but uh, overall, though, it's like I, I kind of have been able to learn from enough with the history and the rough trends with the market not the numbers the numerical numbers doesn't matter necessarily as much when you're trying to analyze the history like growth obviously is important to understand but you're looking at elements and certain factors that are the precipice and create a hype and that's something where when you're trying to look at those factors being able to know the right time at which to sell you have to be willing to sell not wait for another time in five years where we might have another hype, may or may not have another hype. At a certain point, if the, if the, if the factors are at play that are creating a hype, even let's say 50% of that of the Logan Paul hype, you sell. Yeah. And, and, and in my opinion, you sell. You buy it back. <laughs> not everything. If there's certain things that like you just have to have but if there's certain cars that you know like what your profit margin is and it's pretty significant and there's multiple cards like that you take the money you don't you don't wait that's gambling what you're doing is more or less is gambling at that point with this these aren't stocks right this 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 isn't wall street there's a lot of volatility you take that guaranteed money if it's at something any close to a hype. And, and the, you, yeah. The, the longer you do it, too, the less of a situation you'll be in to sell. Um, you know, if you're buying into the hype, you, you're really dangerous territory. Because uh -huh. if it goes much higher, it's like, well, is it going to keep going up or do I sell? You're much more emotionally tied to that because it's recent. Um if you're in the hobby over time and you believe in it, you know, kind of like I was, you know, I had all these crazy cards before the hype. So during the hype, like, yeah, I could have made a ton of money and like bought them back for much cheaper, you know, with the hindsight, of course. But it's like I, I didn't really feel the pressure to sell because I had these cards when they were worth a tenth of what they were. You know, I liked it. I liked the cards for what they were, not really the money factor. Um, 
So once again, it goes back to if you're in it for the right reasons, it pays off. Um, you know, if the market crashes, well, you don't really care. Like, it's important to you because you care about those things. It's cool to have. If the money goes up, you still don't really care because you're not in it for the money. You have an option of making a ton of money, but, mm-hmm. you know, you just like it for what it is. So, yeah, over time, as you learn these patterns and products and product releases and you get the eye for what's a good product or an eye for what's a good card um you know it all adds up it's a snowball effect you just kind of have to train yourself and yeah just be patient like like you are with your lurkana set or you know with all these People shouting at you like, oh, this is going to be the best set. Look at this card. This is the best alt art ever. It's like, yeah, like this month. But what about next month when the next set comes out yeah. and they have the next alt art? <laughs> you know? So just, yeah, I just think, beware. Uh, in addition to the hype, which was important to go into, there's also, and we'll probably go back to that here in a second, but um, it's also a situation you've mentioned it before. Um, in your case, you mentioned with the 20th anniversary festa and you don't necessarily regret it even then because you were going towards something else. Now you've learned kind of, I think you've learned from that as well, but what I could apply to with that story is, so I sold multiple things in order to afford the Lorcana set. One of one was the EV hero sealed, whatever. I also had to sell some of my AR set. I sold all, pretty much all of my AR set besides two tens, the AR4 and the AR5. I sold everything else because I had to do it in order to afford the Lorcana set and the grading fees. There was no other way I was going to be able to get it, unfortunately. It's just, it's something I, I had to do. And, you know, we already talked about, I already mentioned how the EV Year Hero is now $200 more than what I sold for it. And in addition to that, I, t- I had to take a big L on the AR cards, which, yes, I love them. I did, but I also had them raw. And ultimately, the intention of that was to eventually sell as a set down the road. Now, some of them were pretty, pretty, pretty close. Like the AR3, I ended up paying pretty cheap for. But there was another one of the AR cards. I forget which one. It was AR1. I ended up taking like 150 bucks loss. Because I had to take the trade value. So I did buy higher. It was going for lower. So it was one of those things where I had to take the L. But it was worth it. Because it went towards something like Disney World Connect, Something with good fundamentals. Now we've mentioned before with the good factors. Like the five factors I kind of mentioned to go earlier. Obviously one scarcity. The other ones are history, Pokemon, you know. Um, so if it has, if it checks off everything... And you, that's why you're trading certain fat things in your collection to go for another card like that or another item like that within the hobby. Then it's probably worth it. Like if you think it's it's worth it at that point to sell for something else that you you have more interest and enjoyment towards than the hobby, I think it's worth going for it, even if it's something that isn't necessarily as lucrative as what the Lorcana set will be. Say, I don't know, you're selling the Umbreon Alt-Art B-Max, for example. Like, a great card, great artwork, all of that. 
um, and you're selling it to go after, let's say, a first edition PSA 9 or PSA 10 Moonbrion from, from the Neo sets. Mm-hmm. So you have the scarcity factor, you have you know all of these these other factors working for it where it's definitely going to do well if you're concerned about price, but it's also great artwork. It's got all these other factors working for it, but you're moving to something with higher on your priority list and it's worth it to you. So because of that, it's worth it to make those moves, not advocating to do it. And sometimes, you know, you're just forced to sell because financial times hit hard and that time, those times suck. I've been there. And it's something to where you never want to be in a situation where you have to. But if it's something where you want to, I think it's worth it because it's about what you enjoy in the hobby. Obviously, don't put yourself in a financial hardship by going to that point. But I think it's something worth it at, at that point personally. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's hard to, uh, you know, put a pinpoint on it and... Yeah, pretty much all the things that I've sold or regret selling, like you said, you know, I put right back into the hobby and got something else with. So ended up working out. Um, That's what I'm doing as we speak. I've been doing it since day one, doing it right now, selling things to potentially upgrade or buy another grail. Um, But yeah, that's the that's the beauty of it. Um, Over time, you collect what you like building up an inventory, trading, upgrading, selling, buying more. That's all like a snowball effect that just keeps growing. But uh, the only other thing I was going to mention that you were talking about is for the hype situation. Like that's the beauty of it. It's like now that most people have seen that hype and have lived through that hype and are aware of it, It's like when it happens again, more people will be selling as things go up. So it's almost a natural way of preventing it from happening in the first place. As things go up, people are going to be like, oh, it's going to crash tomorrow. Because, you know, we we saw what happened in 2020. Things went high. Things came crashing down. So just with that knowledge, more people are going to be selling on the way up. And just kind of make it a more slow, healthier growth. Um, you know, we, we're not going to see it happen as fast. But like with the Lorcana cards right now, it's just a slow creep up. Um, people thought it was hyped, came down a little bit. Um, as they go up now, they're going up a lot slower. Because, you know, people are selling as they go up. Um, same thing's going to happen with... Every product, like Evolving Skies booster boxes, they can't really take off a crazy amount much more because they're already hyped. But the higher it ticks up, the more sellers there are, and that kind of keeps it at bay. So, yeah, who knows if we'll ever see a hype like that in Pokemon again. Well, um, I say, you mentioned yeah. also a good thing, too, with how much modern crap that's being kept sealed. Modern stuff. I don't say it's crap, but crap in quantities, I guess. With that, it's like, will we see a quicker normalization of the market? Will it be a burn rate, a, a mass burn rate of certain products that actually make it to where 
they are actually worth their value. Maybe not the hype value, but they are worth their value that they might be going for. Because there's a burn rate of people opening those those sets. We kind of saw that with Evolutions, for example. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, I was going to say something else, but I forgot. Um, that was on me. My bad. <laughs> no, like you saying something made me think of something else, but okay, I can't exactly. Remember? Oh, I was I was just gonna say. I remember now. It's uh, if there is another hype, I think it's going to be a slower hype, but a healthier hype for Watsy and older stuff. Um, there is an awfully lot of it. Um, that's why we saw it kind of crash and kind of. Not doing so hot now, but the the modern is definitely in a hype. It's it's fun. It's exciting. It's new. Maybe it'll continue. This is just a new norm because people just love Pokemon so much. They're just opening whatever Pokemon throws at them. Um, that's awesome. But you know that's that's not really a hype. Then that's just the normal interest. People are really interested and having fun with Pokemon. Um, so if there's any hype, like sudden market shifts, I think it's going to be the return of Watsy and stuff like that as people get older and, you know, more established and whatnot. But Yeah. I was just, since you said that, uh, it also reminded me that, um, I forget now, now I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> well, since you said that, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, so, so something about the hype, uh, addition to the hype, it was, they've seen it before, um, I, I completely forgot my train of thought at that point. Eh. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe you'll think of it yeah. in a minute. Yeah, no, there, there was something, though, I just, uh, couldn't remember, but yeah. But yeah, I guess we better hop into the question. I guess we'll leave mm-hmm. it at just your question, because we're running on time, but yeah, if you guys have questions or anything reach out to us um like i said i'm willing to help with the gsp situation and any other questions you have but yeah just let us know but for the question i think philip had a good one for us to talk on to close it out yep i have it what sparked your love for collecting and what keeps you going Well, my love for collecting, what sparked it? I I really don't know, because <laughs> it was all, such a long time ago. Um, it made me excited to hear the question, because just today, like literally this morning, I saw a Facebook memory where I I posted a winning lottery ticket, and uh, it was like the only lottery ticket I ever bought, and I won $100 on it. And one of my friends commented on it. It's like, you know, this was 10 years ago. He's just being dumb. He's like, I know you're going to buy Pokemon, but how much are you going to give me? And smiley face and stuff like that. So this was like 10 years ago. My friends knew me as the guy who, like, bought Pokemon. <laughs> and that's when I'd go to Walmart and buy them off the rack. So 
thinking back to those times, I think it's just that experience that a lot of people are doing with Modern Now. Just the experience of going and picking up a pack and opening it. Um, yeah, it's just fun. It was like me and my friend Taylor, my friend Jake, um, Todd, like pretty much this ultimate Frisbee group that we would play in, uh, another Nathan, last name Caboose, we'd always call him Caboose, (laughs) but we'd play games, we'd like hang out, we'd play ultimate Frisbee, um, and like shout out to Taylor Brakefield and old Jake Doyle, like me and those two guys were like actively collecting, like we'd go and, uh, you know, buy the packs and it was just fun to open. We started a binder and would trade and we'd have a binder of just the basic hollows. So that, I think that was it. Um, and I think that spawned off of us playing the games because we would hang out at the park after Frisbee and battle each other on diamond and pearl. Um, and then we're like, you know, let's go buy a Pokemon pack. And I remember like, going to frisbee like stopping by walmart first and like hey i bought a pack you want to see what i open just you know hanging out in those summer days when you didn't have anything to do except run around town and hang out at the park like that's what we did for fun so it's continued ever since what's part of well you are you done yeah (laughs) i just realized Okay. Yeah, that, okay, that's what, what, what sparked about? it, and like, I guess I didn't really answer how it continued, but yeah, I, it's I just, realized that after I <laughs> I mean, it. Yeah, I'll keep it short. I mean, just the just the joy of like, I've always been like a collecting type person. Like my grandma and grandpa were into coins, so I always thought it was cool to collect coins. I would. Uh, oh, sorry about that, Beeman. I would uh, collect rocks just because I thought they looked cool. And so when you, when I started to, you know, buy Pokemon packs for fun and just started collecting them, then I started to just dig into the hobby. I set my goals. Uh, my original first huge goal was to have every ultra rare ever printed, which fit inside a 360 binder back then. <laughs> um, with the next destinies and those sets that I was opening upon release, they started having more and more ultra rares and it started getting ridiculous. I kind of saw the writing on the wall and was like, well, there's just too many now. Um, so then I just set a next goal and my next goal and my next goal, you know, going for the gold stars was a goal. Having first edition based jungle fossil was a goal at one point. Um, every goal I've, I've made, I've slowly accomplished and just made a new one and yeah, that's what keeps me going. Now my goal is to sell the stack of cards and figure out what I actually want to keep and I'll probably start a new goal after that. Yeah, so as far as my love for collecting it would probably have been same as you pretty much. My um my gra- my grandpa was into coin collecting, and even my dad co- collected a little bit too, with coins. Uh, 
and that was like the first thing I started remembering. The first thing I remember, I remember collecting were the uh, 50 state quarters. Um, it was Me a, too. Like it was pr- yeah, hey, look at I that. forgot about that, they, but my mom yeah, and grandma the, uh, had those little folders. And... Yep, everybody had <laughs> folders where you had to smash the thing with a piece of metal to get the damn quarter in, right? I know I'm not the only one. Oh, yeah. Um, like, like my dad had, like, he is a machine, so he had, like, this heavy piece of metal. That was the only way to get the damn thing in. I mean, I was a kid, so I couldn't get it in then. But, like, even he was having issues getting it in. So we just took one of those things, and we just smashed the thing. And, um, I, yeah, I, I later <laughs> remember end up using some of those to actually, like, spend money whenever I was, like, 12 or 13 or something like that. <laughs> but um, I ended up, end up buying most of the proof sets later on anyways. But um, that was one of the first thing, and then obviously some silver dollars, but that kind of was the first thing I've ever collecting. And then shortly thereafter, um, there was Pokemon, and then there was the cards. Well, actually, Pokemon would have came before. What, when? Because it? it's 99. Do what? Stake quarters. Stake quarters began in 99. So yeah, I think so. It was kind of it was kind of one of those things where it was both at once is really what it was when it came to the um, collection. But I remember that was one of the first things for collecting, and I remember my grandpa even before then he would give me like these old coins to to go through. Um, that's whenever I was a younger kid, and I used to love seeing like the older Morgan Peace dollars, just looking like, well, this is, this is so old, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool, and I guess there was just always this need for me to collect. I guess after, um, like, there's definitely a level of completionist involved, and in, like, in such completionist, even as a younger kid, and that went with Pokemon, but I didn't have the need to like get the entire base set it was just like we'll see what we can do because you know we were kids we, we didn't ebay was literally like a year old at that point and i started using ebay to buy coins and cars that's how i got some of my japanese cars that's how i got all my japanese yu-yu cars back in the early 2000s but it was one of those things where it wasn't easy for a kid to get like the missing singles like there really there wasn't a tcg player like getting missing the only way was just to keep on opening packs for a kid and that fed my collection goals and collecting habits and that just kind of kept them going from there one thing to another then it was Yu-Gi-Oh but Yu-Gi-Oh it was more about playing than collecting but I still enjoyed collecting some of the cards too and that just kept on going now you see one of the things I do is comics you know now we got comics we got a little bit of coins books uh Pokemon cards I mean it's a little bit of everything and now what keeps me going a lot of it is passion. Passion towards the hobbies and interests that I currently have. Um, some of it is tied to nostalgia. Like, I think, I think that is a lot of us. It's tied to nostalgia. It's tied to this innocence that we have and this, like, innate good that we all have that we get out of ourselves and just life in general. I think that what keeps me going is that passion and that feeling and just hitting those goals once you once you're satisfied, once you like you obtain them, there's a sense of accomplishment when you obtain that, especially with your favorite hobbies. So I guess the the too long to read aspect to listen was grandparents and and dad with coins and got me started. Keeps me going is passion in the hobby. 
Yep. And we're we're both pretty similar with that. And yeah, I went on to Yu-Gi-Oh too. And yeah, I even had some comics and oh, oh, I Hot Wheels. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Okay. So go ahead and finish what you're gonna say because I'm writing it down. <laughs> oh, that was it. Just we're just very similar with it. Okay. Okay, so the next thing I was going to say is the catalyst of the next hype, if it isn't steady, so it's going to be a slow, slow, slow trickle. Um, I said this in another episode as well, but I think the next big catalyst for a potential hype for Pokemon is going to be a nostalgia boom from something like a Stranger Things show. Something that has that is a um, cultural phenomenon and basically captures a lot of individuals within our within our generation. Stranger Things, the biggest thing is the 80s nostalgia boom, which we saw beginning about a decade ago. We're still seeing it. But, surprise, surprise, we, I know you, we don't want to think about it, but yeah, we're getting, we're getting that age um, where the nostalgia boom's coming for the 90s. We are already seeing it. The fashion, the popular haircuts, um, even a lot of renewed interest of a lot of bands from the era, like more... So than just like how we grew up with like Nirvana and stuff, like there's a big cultural aspect that can be created and hype that can be created for something like Stranger Things. Like think about all the things like so in the last season you had Metallica. So Metallica had this like huge interest from Gen Z. Literally three like four days after Stranger Things show, I saw somebody wearing the traditional Metallica all black with with like the white, the white Metallica sign. I'm just saying it's. If there's something that's going to happen to create a hype, it's going to be that factored in with maybe something else, something with another YouTube personality or maybe a celebrity who's who's really into it. Okay. I think there's going to be those factors that are going to be the next catalyst. Um, yeah, it's funny you and, say that about the 90s. Like I saw there was a girl the other day, probably in high school, like mid-upper teens wearing a Nirvana shirt. My, oh yeah, which I'm sure she loves Nirvana. I mean, people. Well, back when we were in high school, if you if you wore a shirt like that, you best be able to recite every song on the Nevermind album, or else you'd be called a damn poser. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you you know you know how it was. But uh, uh what, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I saw a guy that literally came in like he was in Hawson's Creek. Like, he was dressed like that. He had the long hair, peaked at the middle. You know, the one, if you ever seen the X-Files, first season, David Duchovny has the same haircut. <laughs> it's, it was the same one with with that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, had during, like, Titanic and stuff. You, you know the one where, like, the part in the middle, he had yeah. that haircut. He had the um, washed baggy jeans with, with so that was had some like not a few holes but n- nothing major and he had like the um older like cheaper looking just like this light long sleeve shirt like mixed with like kind of like a sweater like everything said 90s i was like whoa hey um what, what year is it yeah <laughs> or uh as if you know like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, all the, you know, talk to the hand, all, all, all that crap I'm sure is going to be made big by some show. It's going to happen. You know, it's only a matter of time of when it's going to happen. Like I said, the eighties had a huge, have the nostalgia for the eighties has been massive in the last decade. 
And we are going to see the same thing for millennials. And I would say it's probably going to have a larger impact because we were the generation that came with the Internet. I grew up w w w with the Internet. So I could see it having a potential larger effect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what it would take or what it would be, but I think we'll see it again. Yep, I do. Even if none of that happens and it's like 20, 30 years down the road, like people will forget, you know, what happened in 2020. Yeah. You know, people will know and hear about it and live through it, but time. Potential anniversaries. Like, yeah, like the 50th anniversary for Pokemon, maybe, you know, stuff like that could be a perfect storm as well. But yeah. anyway, we better wrap it up. We've been uh, going a lot longer than I thought we would, but. If you guys are still listening, thank you. You guys are the true ones. If you uh, leave a comment that says banana down below, I'll, I'll give you guys, to, I'll give away I something. Say, I was about to say, we got to say something that only if you made it to the final minute, you would know. <laughs> yeah, so comment down below banana and I'll send you a graded card within the next two weeks. See if anyone does it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We'll catch y'all later. Until next time. Right, See peace. you later.